Instagram friends. My name is Ava. And I'm Abby. And I'm afraid we have bad news. Our mom, Christina, your anytime piano teacher friend, has laryngitis. That means you can't hear anything she says. So, instead of the episode she had planned for today, we're here to introduce a replay of one of her favorite topics this time of year, adjudication strategies. Christina, I mean, Mom will be back next week with more thoughts on how we spend our time in lessons. Until then, sit back and enjoy this encore episode. Bum, bum, bum! bum. Okay, so I wanted to take some time today and think about how we approach situations when we get asked to judge for a particular event. So I know this doesn't apply to everyone listening because not all of us judge events like this, but I do think that enough of us get asked to enter adjudication situations throughout the year that it's probably worth addressing in at least some small way. We are going to jump like straight to the point here, (laughs) and I'm going to say that regardless of what event you might be judging, I really have one very important thing to say. So, are you listening? Are you ready for this? (laughs) I say this in love, my friends. It is not about you. (laughs) It's not about you. (laughs) I am laughing because in my mind, all I can hear is my husband's like spot on impersonation of Dr. Phil, who is a television therapist here in the States. And my husband does this really great impression of him going, it ain't about you. (laughs) I did not do that impression justice. But seriously, (laughs) I am going to confess something to you, and honestly, it does not reflect on me in a very flattering way, but I'm copping to it here just because I think it's a problem for lots of teachers who find themselves in positions where they are judging events. Especially when I was kind of new to my local judging circuit, I felt a very weird kind of pressure to make sure that I was really proving my worth to whatever event I was judging. So, you know, I wanted to establish myself as someone who, you know, had standards, who really knew her stuff, uh, you know, who was encouraging, but also demanding. (laughs) When I was just out of grad school, I was pretty desperate to prove myself to my other local teachers, many of whom had been teaching here for a really long time, and I didn't want them to see me as the new kid on the block because, like I've already discussed, I had been teaching already for many years, so I didn't want to look like an amateur, right? (laughs) So again, I'm not proud of this, but it's how I felt. And I have experienced this with a lot of other judges over the years. So this is me just falling on my sword here in hopes of helping you kind of identify this if any of this thought process is looming within yourself. So my friends, it is just not about you. So any thought that enters your brain while you are judging an event 
about, you know, how you are going to be perceived or what kind of impression you want to give, you've got to get rid of that immediately. (laughs) Hear Dr. Phil's voice shouting, it ain't about you. (laughs) That's really so terrible. (laughs) It doesn't even matter what you're judging. And let's be fair. I mean, there are lots of different levels of adjudicated events, right? So a lot of times we're dealing with very strictly recreational types of students. But of course, we also have really high level, you know, competitive events that warrant a different kind of approach. But yet at the same time, it's always all about those students. You know, it's about a growing musician who is putting themselves out there for an open critique from someone who we assume is more experienced than they are. It's about you giving them meaningful feedback that is going to help them become a better musician. That's it. So now that I've said meaningful feedback, can we just talk about what meaningful feedback really is? (laughs) Is it meaningful feedback to give a student like a laundry list of measure numbers where they missed dynamics and rhythms and articulations? I don't really think so. Is meaningful feedback like one word qualifiers? Like just saying great, period. Good, period. (laughs) If you know, you know. That's really frustrating to get those evaluations back, right? (laughs) Anyone who has judged anything knows that it's a huge challenge to give meaningful feedback in the time you are allotted as well as just in the physical space that you have on any evaluation form. But at the same time, it is so important to make sure that we are giving feedback that is both specific and also kind of general. You know, and too much of either one of those things is, well, just not very helpful. (laughs) I received the best judging advice I've ever heard from a former teacher of mine, and I really think it applies to every event and every evaluation form that I have ever encountered in my judging experience. You have a very limited space and time to give this student in front of you some kind of feedback that is going to benefit their future musical endeavors. So as you listen to them play, think about what is the one thing, or maybe two things, that you can say that are going to really help that student grow from this experience today. So in other words, think big picture first, and then give a few specifics as they apply. You know, if they need to work on feeling a larger pulse overall, note that and then give a specific phrase or two where that's especially problematic. If accuracy was an issue in the performance today, point that out. Give a specific measure or two, but don't feel like you have to sit there and take a note of every single blip, especially if there are a lot of them. The balance of specific and general, my friends. In every single case, every student, every event, 
put yourself in that perspective of the student who is going to be reading the evaluation that you are writing. Never forget that there are going to be human eyes on the other side of what you are writing. I think sometimes we become kind of calloused to this type of event because we've been doing these kinds of things for so long. But it's easy for for us to forget what it's like to be that student who has worked so hard to put these, you know, musical puzzles together (laughs) and to open themselves up for critique from a stranger. For them to put in so many hours of preparation simply to receive an evaluation with single word descriptions like rhythm equals good interpretation equals nice. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. I don't know. It just feels kind of like a slap in the face, really. Likewise, that same student who's done all of this work is not going to be positively impacted by a lengthy list of everything that they could have done better. So it's not that you have to sugarcoat everything, But I really hope that as you enter into opportunities to judge events, that you take into consideration the goal of the event that you are working. You know, in most cases, the goal is basically to encourage developing musicians, isn't it? I think we can boil most events down to that single goal. You know, so reading bullet point after bullet point of correction after correction is probably not going to be the best way to encourage that musician to reach for higher goals. I will let you ponder that for a moment while I tell you a classic Christina Whitlock adjudication story. This wildly uncomfortable moment turned into pretty much a masterclass on what not to do when judging. So many years ago, while I was still in graduate school, I volunteered to help judge a federation festival, and I was paired with an older gentleman who had been judging this same festival for many, many, many years. (laughs) And I'll tell you, the whole morning was filled with some really uncomfortable moments, but none quite so cringy as this. So we had a young lady come in and play the F major two-part invention, notably under tempo. So I'm talking bum 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 right. Pretty slow. So I filled my score sheet up with comments basically commending her for taking a tempo that she could maintain. I do think that's important but encouraging her to continue working on the piece until it moved more fluidly, right? Honestly, her approach was exactly what I would suggest to a student who was in a position where they weren't quite ready to perform it, because it was, by all accounts, like, sturdy. (laughs) You know, it was accurate and it was steady. It just lacked that buoyancy that we expect that piece to have. Well, when she finished it, the man that I was judging with put his pencil down and he looked at this girl and he said, well, that was fine, but the actual tempo should be more like this. And he sang it much faster. And he said, I want you to try it again at that tempo. Here, I'll count you off. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, my friends. Oh, it was awful. So I should say that if that happened to me today, I would have interrupted and told her that was not necessary to do. But at that time, I was still pretty young. I was probably trying to respect my elders in some capacity. Um, and I was also just completely caught off guard. <laughs> I can still picture that poor girl's face when he said that. Uh, for that matter, I would have loved to have known what my face looked like when he said that. <laughs> but of course, she did go on to play it at the faster tempo, but you can guess how that second performance went. Not well. And that was so not her fault. She just wasn't ready to play it that quickly. So that brings me to one last point on my philosophy of adjudication for today, anyway. And that is the fact that there are so many things that can discourage developing musicians. I mean, we all know our young people have more and more reasons, uh, you know, to give up their instruments. Me, I never want to be part of the reason that someone decided to not continue their musical study. That, in a nutshell, is why I try to be so incredibly careful of what I say and what I don't say on evaluation forms. I always want to remember that there is a real live human being walking into that adjudication room and that they are essentially putting everything on the line for me as I listen to them. I don't have anything to lose when they come in, but to that student, even those who aren't really as prepared as they should be, I mean, everything in that moment for them is hyper-focused on that performance. And I want to help put them at ease so they have an opportunity to play their best. I want to smile at them and let them know the, how I appreciate the music that they are putting into the world. You know, I want to be part of that voice that tells them to keep going, to keep learning, to keep listening deeper and deeper to the sounds that they are making. I want to tell them the struggle is worth it, that the time is worth it, and the results are worth it. I will say this. I know as a profession, we are very divided when it comes to opinions over competitions and festivals and exams. So, you know, some of us love them, some of us hate them, some of us are kind of in between. <laughs> and so I know that some of you heard my story about that whole F major invention debacle and instantly said to yourself, see, that's why I don't do this stuff. <laughs> At the same time, I also see students all the time who benefit from investing in themselves and their abilities and just beam when they have the results that they want. So for me, it's always a matter of taking each of those things on a student by student and event by event basis. So regardless of what you do with your own students, if you find yourself in a position to judge an event, I am begging you to approach your role in that event with great consideration for that student in front of you. Ask yourself that really important question. 
What can you tell that student that is going to help them the most in their future musical endeavors? Not from a perspective that shouts, hey, look what I know, (laughs) but instead from a mentor's perspective of, okay, I've been there. Here is the next step. Oh my goodness, my friends, I know I say this every week, but I didn't realize that I have so much more to say on this topic. (laughs) If you enjoyed this line of conversation, make sure you let me know one way or another, um, and I will be happy to revisit more adjudication strategies in the future. Um, But for now, let's go ahead and wrap it up for today, as always, with a toast. Music teacher, friends of the world, it is no surprise to you that our words, our demeanor, they matter. You know, we hold so many opportunities to influence the lives of others. It's such a gift, and it's also a real responsibility to encourage, to inspire, to offer sage advice. It's impossible to know the numerous ways that we impact students that we encounter. But today, I encourage you to do everything in your power to not be the reason that someone gives up music. In whatever scenario you encounter, frame your feedback, no matter what, in a manner that is going to tell it like it is, but with the promise of hope for improvement. We all know this world needs as many music makers as it can get. I know you can do it, my friends, and I am here to cheerlead you along the way. (laughs) Hear, hear. Thanks again for listening to the Beyond Measure podcast. Be sure to follow my mom on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email her at beyondmeasurepodcasts at gmail.com. Onward and upward, teacher friends!